Hey, Augmenters, I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we believe connected, authentic relationships are the key to growing to your potential. Today, we are joined by Sarah Chen Spellings, the co-founder and managing partner of Beyond the Billions. Sarah's also the co-host of Billion Dollar Moves, part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. And today, she talks to us about the mindset needed to create a bold vision and dream big. Truly, Sarah's an example of multiplying power. Why deploy $25 million in venture capital? when you can influence a billion dollars. Sarah Chen Spellings shows us the weight of setting a vision and working every day to build the dream that others cannot yet see. And let's be honest, millions are great. However, billions with a B for bold can change the world. Truth to that, here we go. Sarah Chen Spellings, so excited to have you on Augmenters today. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here as well. Mentoring is, uh, you know, when you reached out and sort of put forward the theme of mentoring, it's something that I really have practiced, believe in, and continue to see the rewards from, you know, both in my personal life and professional life. So really excited to dig in into that. Fabulous. Well, before we get started, I just want to say too, we are both, we are siblings, I guess, HubSpot uh, Podcast Network, (laughs) podcast siblings. So we are so excited to get a chance to learn from you also. We believe mentoring, of course, is something to be talked about, but definitely something to be practiced. So uh, we're really excited to get to know you better and to get to know um, how we can all continue to support each other. So as we kick off, I would just love to hear a little bit more about you. Tell us about yourself, your background, and of course, the context of how mentors have helped you get to where you are. Yeah, so I don't know how way back we're going here, but I'll, I'll be as succinct as possible. I guess some crucible moments to give you some context on who I am is uh, I grew up in Malaysia. I'm with the majority of Malaysia. At the age of nine years old, I was put on the national TV screen as a TV host and have been a TV host in and out of my life in, in many different ways, right? You would argue that what we're doing with podcasting today is a version of that as well. So I guess mm-hmm. from a young age, from nine years old, I was already interviewing people. You know, I was on a Sunday show where there were different segments. You would interview different people as a kid, visit different places, report on it. And back in the day, you know, report on the cool books, the games, things like that. So it really shaped me. And I had to, number one, you know, rise to the occasion every single time, be comfortable with being in the spotlight and the pressure of the moment. Frankly, I didn't think I was very good when I was a kid, but you know, we all learn, but I've had to learn to be confident in places where I wasn't always comfortable, right? And then number two is, of course, balancing it all, right? Uh, Part of the goal of the founders behind the TV show, the production company, and they are philanthropists in many different ways, and and they've become my mentors too, and and my godfather, Mm -hmm. godmother, I think of them in that way, uh, is that they wanted us TV hosts to also be leaders in our community to have really good grades and, you know, volunteer in causes that we believe in. I mean, at the age of 16, I was speaking about the rights of children in media in Brazil representing my country. So all this is to say that I think I've been put in a very interesting and privileged, right, upbringing that I didn't realize was truly unique. But of course, at the age of something like 17, 18, I realized that being who I was was also an anomaly which didn't necessarily serve me well. And what that means is being an ambitious woman, right? I remember an Mm. interview where I was interviewing for a scholarship to uh, study in London. Uh, I eventually got there, but along the way, you know, I had rejections between scholarship interviewers and and all of that to be able to, to get that education funded. 
And one person of authority actually gave me some feedback at the end of an interview saying, hey, Sarah, you know, the way you answered those questions... It's impressive, but you might want to reconsider, you know, toning down as a girl. And later on in life, I was also told by very senior people in my career who have told me that, you know, as a woman, ambition, you might not be as happy, you know, with what you want. And that has shaped me in many different ways. But of course, is also the fuel to my fire. And today, years later, I'm I'm based in the United States with close to Jimmy, as as I hear it, Mm -hmm. running the Billion Dollar Fund for Women which is now called Beyond the Villain, the world's first and largest global consortium of venture capital funds pledged to invest and actively deploying over a billion dollars into female-founded companies. So quick sum up there and, and you know, happy to pack away and dig in where you feel would be interesting for the audience. Well, I want to give a shout out, Sarah, that uh, Billion Dollar Moves is a hell of a name and such an important movement going forward. I'm very happy that when anybody said anything about trying to check your ambition, you looked at them like they were crazy and just kept pushing straight ahead because what you're doing is really inspiring and we're really excited to have you on today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And, and you know, I will say it's funny you, you mentioned that because a lot of it is, I think, me being naive as well. Frankly, right. I put, you know, mm. uh, we, we put billion dollar in our name of our company, right, thinking it'll be an audacious goal that we'll achieve, frankly, in, in 10 years. That was in the initial business plan, right? We'll get to the billion dollar mark with the help of many VCs maybe 10 years, because back in the day, and we're talking about the gender venture investment gap here, when we first started, the data was 2017, 2.2% was about 1.9 billion in the US that was going to the hands of female founders. And of course, we thought, you know, a billion dollars, let's name the fund that. Number one, you know, kudos to my co-founder, Shelly Porges, who has a huge marketing background and recognized that putting billion next to women would definitely raise eyebrows, creates sort of that excitement. And it did, right? We were all over the papers and that billion dollar has, I guess, uh, been connected to my name. And I thought, why not? You know, I'm actually seeing billion dollar mover shakers, movers and shakers all around me. And I think that, you know, we have to dream big, right? You know, life is short. And this is something that I take inspiration from my mother, actually, who has a story in herself where she was, uh, her biggest dream was to be a secretary, right? She grew up in a village in south of Malaysia, ended up becoming the CEO of a Japanese automotive company, right? Where back wow. in the day, didn't even think about feminism. So I had that role model. And you know, one thing she said to me, what I'm getting to is she said this to me, Sarah, nine to five, right? If you're going to choose to work nine to five, you're going to be in the office. What are you going to become? Are you going to be the secretary or the CEO? And of course, I was encouraged to choose the latter. And for me, you know, even when I'm looking at deals today, ask any investor, Doing a 10 million deal and doing a like 100 million deal, the paperwork, the the effort, everything that goes into it, it's pretty much the same. I would say, of course, the stakes are higher. You know, you can argue about that. But what but the point I'm trying to bring home is, you know, if you're going to do something, might as well do the big thing. I'm so curious, Sarah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm totally going to cut off Jimmy because I'm dying to hear when you came home to your mother and told her what this person had said to you in the studio, what was her reaction? And what did she say that helped you really understand how wrong that other person was? This is like one of those kind of core mentoring moments, right? Where is there something that she said? So you're talking about doing the scholarship interview, right? When I was uh, being rejected and given some feedback, I will say the first person I spoke to was actually my late father, who has been a huge mentor. And he would, you know, he was frankly, like working really hard, but at the same time, I think put his children first, no matter what. And I can still remember him, I, I told the story of him 
you know, holding on to the steering wheel because he was waiting for me outside, right? He, he was sending me and fetching me to these different places for the interviews. And he asked me, so girl, you know, that's a, a very endearing way of, of referring to your daughter in Asian culture, girl. So how did it go? And I kid you not, I was holding back my tears because I was shocked. I was confused. I was also questioning myself of who I should be. And I, I literally cried and I can, I can still feel the emotion right now. But what he did, I think was also very important in that Oh, sorry, I didn't. Um, yeah, the emotion is very strong there. Um, but he said this to me. Um, he said, don't worry, the right people will recognize who you are and how valuable you are. Do the right thing and keep moving forward. And um, oh, I did not expect this. But, um, you know, this these are, I think, crucible moments where, you know, your parents play a huge role in your life, right? And what he said, and importantly, you know, someone asked me recently, because I told the story in a different form, when I was delivering a keynote and he was a father, he is a father, the person that came up to me, he's a father of, uh, I think, a 12-year-old girl who is also very ambitious and bold. And he asked me, so how did your, you know, dad handle, like, how did he encourage you and i think one of the things that he did was i was always competitive right um and he would always encourage me and whether we won or we lost we would always go and have ice cream in i think it's an american brand it's called swenson's ice cream <laughs> yes. and that's like a that's like a metaphor for life right you put your best foot forward and whether you win or you lose you go to have ice cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I am totally covered in goosebumps, Sarah. And this is so, you know, you never know what you're going to expect when you get into these conversations. But hearing that your father, this man in your life, was the first one to say that and validate that for you, I think that feels to me. And I also, similarly, of course, Jimmy's heard a lot about my dad. My father has four daughters and we, he is absolutely our number one cheerleader for all of us and never felt that we were not going to be incredibly successful and and had incredible words of wisdom all along. But as you're thinking about sort of this uh, incredible movement you've been making towards these billion dollar moves, women founders, but then the supporting role of the men in our lives, whether they're our fathers or our husbands or our business partners, I think that's what I really just got out of this conversation and how that kind of mentoring happens in a way that's a little bit different than maybe what what we perceive as what what we need. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I have gathered myself and uh, I, I think you got a little bit more than you bargained for. <laughs> so take it. <laughs> Sarah, it speaks a lot to us. I mean, Julie has two daughters who are, you know, just in, in college age almost. And my daughter's 10 months old. So, uh, you know, uh, hearing what you just shared about your dad, uh, that uh, that's given me uh, inspirational words and big shoes to try to not mess it up when hopefully my daughter has a moment. So uh, it, it actually really means a lot to hear a story like that. That's really special. I was going to just joke that I'll, I'll see you in the ice cream parlor. Yeah, I know. Like... Seriously, I got <laughs> I, I to find a good place soon. But in my head, as you were telling that story, I kept thinking, you know, two generations ago, the, the movie was like the million dollar man. And so now I'm looking at you talking, I'm like, oh, well, here's the billion dollar woman. You know, we are evolving as a society. We're getting better. So fingers crossed there. And I, you know, a lot more work to be done. But um, yeah, I think staying true to your roots. And I will say I have a, I'm, I'm big with vision boarding and I have a vision board that's right in front of me. And family is a big piece. And it says, keeps me humble and lets me know when I'm not. And I think that's the role of mentors in many different ways as well. Um, and these are the roles of my mentors. 
So shifting gears into the professional, into, you know, <laughs> as we're going into the professional life, which again, we can talk about, you know, family all day long. And, and at the end of the day, it comes up so often, Sarah, in our interviews with others, um, really the role of people's families. And it is daunting as a parent, um, making sure that you're showing up for those conversations. But as you know, your current role, you have this incredible amount, uh, these incredible women you're working with day in, day out. Tell us a little bit about how mentoring shows up in your current work. Oh, how does it not? I will say, you know, <laughs> mentoring is a loaded word in, in many different respects because there is a perception that person who seems to be more experienced, right, from years of experience is what I, I'm thinking, years of experience, uh, age, time spent in a certain place. There's a perception like this, the elder person will mentor the younger person or the person in power mentors the person. And what I think about with power, perceived power, perhaps, you know, venture capitalists are believed to, you know, be the keys to the kingdom, right? Because they have funding on their end and all that. But, you know, it's it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I would say in, the, in our industry, I think, well, the way I like like to look at it as well. Of course, there is the cookie cutter. Okay, the VC will work with the founder because it's perceived that the VC, you know, the joke is the VC will always ask, how can I be helpful, right? Uh, and that is your job to be helpful and to in some way, quote unquote, mentor the founders. But in many different respects, I think the relationships are a little bit more nuanced because remember, you know, we're only in business because of these great founders who are experts in that field, who are really obsessed with solving a single problem. So I think sometimes it, it makes me feel a little bit conflicted. I guess it's just who I am in thinking about this relationship because I think it goes both ways. You know, you can't just take, take, take. You also have to give. Give first is, is always a mentality that I like that is popular as well in good VC culture. And I see different forms of mentoring show up, right? When I'm learning about a new industry, I'm not an expert in, for example, we're looking at uh, machine learning you know, or we're looking at back in the day, I was investing in late stage biotech companies, fermentation, bio-based chemicals. I'm by no means an expert in that. So I was mentored, frankly, by my portfolio companies to learn about the industry and coming at it from a humble approach and that you always have something to learn has been what has set me upright, I think, on the right trajectory. That's number one. So I think just coming at it with a perspective that everyone has something to learn. So it happens in many different forms, right? The investor from the scientists, from the entrepreneur. And of course, on the flip side, if you're looking to finance and grow your company, you know, that's a place where we can help. So it comes in many different forms. And, and also, I will say it sometimes it, it becomes very personal. I mean, you think about the business of what we're in, it's relationships more than anything, right? You can be Sequoia, you can be an Andreessen Horowitz, and you have the name brand. But I will say these days, founders that have the choice, and it's increasing, right? These are high, high quality founders that are thinking about who do I I want to spend my time with the relationships are what they think about not necessarily the name brand if they already have it right i think it goes down to you know how do you continue to add value to each other and build upon those relationships i think about everything that i've done you know it sometimes it feels like yeah it takes me you know it takes me a lot longer you know I, I have audacious goals as you know right billion dollar goals it's not gonna happen overnight for me I'm impatient I think you need another I, term Sarah <laughs> I don't think audacious is correct for you 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 need, right. you need bigger and better terms okay you have to give me one I'll have to think about it audacious bold you know crazy edging on on insanity I think there's a fine line there between genius and insanity <laughs> right? yeah I, I, I was gonna say audacious if I could steal from audacious. <laughs> 
audacious. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, things like these take time, but what I realize is, you know, when I think about where relationships have, have been successful, where things have worked out, it's because I've put the person first and I've always been transparent and honest about what I can do and what I can't do and what I'm building. And, you know, I think about our partners around the table, you know, there's a lot more that I think that's that rests on our shoulders to be achieved, but they continue to partner with me and our firm because they know where we come from. They know that we're working on things. And, you know, that's, that's really something that I've learned throughout my career, really, that people will when I was younger, I was like working till 3am trying to do all those deals, right? Prove myself and all these things. And along the way, I was so focused on getting the deal done, you know, getting this done. But I realized there's so much more beyond the deal that's the relationships that you cultivate. And that's a missed opportunity. If you think don't think about the people, right? People will long forget what you've achieved but they will never forget how you made them feel. And if I use that example, right, you know, my first check when I was so at 25 was a $30 million check. I was working for a public listed company. So it was OPM, other people's money. But, you know, uh, I, I learned some really hard mistakes with other people's money. But along the way, one of my first investment actually was uh, with this company. In the end, the deal, you know, could have been what it could have been. But along the way, I will say one of my biggest mentors and biggest supporters came out of that deal. And he has been so supportive in opening doors and, and all of that because he was this uh, C-level executive that was working with me on the other end. And although we were, you know, counterparts, but also an opposing ends, right? He will, he, you know, I had dinner with him recently and he said, you know, Sarah, I didn't realize back in the day that you were only, I was negotiating with a 25 year old because back in the day that was in all this video conferencing, Zoom, we were talking into the spider, if you know what I'm talking about, like the yes, oh you know, speakerphone, essentially, right? So, you know, I, I think these, all of these things have, have left an impression on me. And uh, yeah, you know, I couldn't have asked for anything else. And I'm becoming a lot more mindful about how I do things and what I say that I'm going to do and how I'm going to, you know, own up to it. Sarah, could you talk a little bit about how you kind of not necessarily flipped the sides of the table on that deal and then built the relationship with that C-level exec? But, you know, how did you make it that it wasn't, as I said, like opposites, that you were potentially in this together and then that there was a reason to show up for each other as people and not just try to get the deal done, make some cash, do whatever and move uh, on. Yeah, this was really hard. And, you know, I will say I was, of course, 25, right? So in Asian culture, you're 25, no matter how smart you are, you're a lowly executive, okay? I was writing <laughs> the memos, but my boss was going for the board meetings and I had a really good boss that gave me too long of a leash that some people would, I, I think, not be happy about. But through that, I really learned a lot. And I think the the gist of it was, again, maybe at that time I was naive, but I was just being who I still am, which is I try to be transparent. I look at it as, you know, this is business. Hey, I work for a company where there are multiple stakeholders. I'm doing the best that I can, but I don't control the CFO that's going to release this check to you guys, right? I can write the best memo and present the, the opportunity here, but a lot of it is not in my hands. And I was very honest about that. And I think this person on the other end, and appreciated that so yeah and you know working with a big corporate working in a big organization it's so hard right I, I felt at that time frankly I was a lot of my time was spent doing stakeholder management and mm. what some people would think as politicking 
Yeah. And actually doing the work that I was really wanting to do, which was like diving deep into the investments, you know, working with the founders and all that, which I, I'm sure many can relate to. But you learn from that and you learn about people and you take it with a pinch of salt moving forward. But I, I will say I'll give my hat tip to Brian, this man who, you know, has become somewhat of a, a mentor to me. And, and I think he'll we be appreciate shout outs. If you want to give a full shout out, shout out Brian Khan. Yeah. But essentially he was very persistent. And I mean, he was, I think he saw something in me that was beyond my business card, right? And and wanted to develop that relationship and continues to support me in, in many different ways. And, and I so appreciate it. Fantastic. Sarah, one of the things that we always talk about on, on augmenting is removing some of that power dynamic from the relationship. And you spoke to it right away when you were talking about how within you know the billion dollar pledge of bringing people together to fund in unison and, you know, one plus one is closer to three than two. How have, have you worked on actually re making sure that those power dynamics are not in like kind of the classic forms where, you know, when a lot of people think of mentoring, it's like on a Friday afternoon, an old white guy behind a desk with his feet up, you know, <laughs> having whiskey, like Mad Men style or something. How has that been adjusted in your world? And, and for us, you know, experiences, we like to say experiences from failures. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing something. You could have a bunch of really good failures early on. And by 25, you know, you got more wisdom than people that are 100. I'm curious how you all have thought about that power dynamic. Yeah, so it's, it's more an art than a science. I think. But of course, you know, I, I will say one of the key lessons that I bring with me that many of my partners have imparted upon me is, you know, you need to be mindful because we're working in this very, we're trying to solve a very difficult problem, right? The gender venture investment gap, and then that gender equality and, and beyond that. And it's, it's been around for, for ages. Stereotypes are deeply ingrained. And one of the things that uh, left an impression on me, and as I continue to do my work, I, I think about it all the time as a framework is that, you know, we can work on personal biases and hope to change those personal biases. But what we can change and what's within our control are the structures in place, the systems and structures that hold these biases in place, right? So check yourself, check your privilege, check how these things are manifesting in the workplace. When I think about that in the context of mentoring, you know, I would encourage people to set up uh, reverse mentoring sessions, right? To actually put it in paper as a structure that, hey, this person, you know, doesn't talk down at you it's a conversation and i've i've uh, been part of i'm sure you're you're well familiar with like mastermind groups and things like that i'm i'm I went to mm -hmm. Harvard uh, last year and part of the program was a leadership, what they call LDG, Leadership Development Group, where the format is, you know, 20 minutes, one person speaks, nobody else speaks, present the issue in a very objective way. You, you have 20 minutes, do whatever you want. And then after that 10 minutes, you know, you're the person who spoke is on the balcony where you're like looking down at people cross-examining this situation without you. And then 10 minutes bringing you back from the balcony to actually then discuss this and, and give feedback, right? So those are real structures, which I think can be implemented to actually address this quote unquote power dynamic. And, and there are many different ways, right? That's just one example. Mastermind is what, I, I think it's 20, 30 minutes as well, and then 10 minutes feedback. So, you know, there's, there's many ways to address that. And I think, you know, companies, individuals, whoever you are, you would benefit from having feedback beyond just, you know, having the thoughts ruminate in your head, right? This is why, frankly, beyond mentoring, I actually think therapy is also healthy. And it's actually, you know, I come from a culture in Asia where mental health is not really a thing where it's still a taboo, right? They'll say this, what problem do you have? 
Do you not know where we come from? You know, what we've had to deal with? Why, why are you unhappy about these things? And yeah, but things have changed and, and hopefully we're moving in a positive direction. But I think it's creating systems and structures in place, uh, having a process to be able to ask the right questions and help that conversation flow, even if you know, I, I do this in my own personal life, right? Where I tell my mentors, sponsors, uh, supporters, whoever is within my tribe to just be direct with me. I always say, hey, if there's something that you see that I'm not doing right, you know, screenshot it to me. Tell me like, I have people sending me screenshots with a circle and saying, what is this? You know, <laughs> why would you present it this way? What are you doing here? That sort of thing. Uh, and, and that's how I benefit, right? I'm like, I'm here for it because I know we all are coming from a good place and we're well-intentioned and I can only be my best self if people yeah. tell me and I listen and, and I move forward, right, from there. Amen to that. The second most valuable thing in this world is honest, direct feedback. First most valuable time. If I can, and Julie's got something to say, but I want to say uh, one of the ways that we are working here at Augmenters on removing some of those classic and structural, I would say, power dynamics is instead of using the term reverse mentoring, we encourage the term augmenting so that it doesn't even acknowledge that there was a power dynamic. And instead of saying, hey, we are already bonded in this together. We've gone through trying to like fight these like old tropes around how people help each other and that we are really in this together like as humans if we show up for each other genuinely. Absolutely. And this got me thinking so much about a, a recent episode we just had last week or two weeks ago with Dr. Tina Opie, uh, who wrote a book called Shared Sisterhood. And it was really about Black women and white women working together in the workplace and how to work work with gender and racial equality in the workplace. If you have not listened to the episode, any listeners as well as Sarah, it was just phenomenal. I think um, Jimmy and I were really changed our perspective. I know it really changed mine. So it's so exciting to hear about all these evolutions, especially again with my, you know, Gen Z daughters coming into the workplace. Jimmy's Gen Alpha, I think that's what they are. Alpha Beta or something. I'm not sure what the next gen, gen is coming up, but um, having them coming into the workplace and overall, you know, the augmenters, our goal is really helping others connect more authentically and then grow to their potential and reaching out to mentors as part of that. Sarah, I would imagine you get a lot of people reaching out to you, asking you to be their mentor. So I would be curious what kind of, you know, what, what are some best practices, let's say, maybe what was sort of awkward and uncomfortable, what's worked really well, or how do you like to be approached by somebody looking to have you be a mentor to them? Yeah, this is a, a tricky question, I think, but an important one, because I've, I've experienced the good, bad, and the ugly, let me put it this way. You know, I, I speak quite frequently in, in public spaces, right? You know, you, I was at the United Nations. I was, you know, keynoting here and there. And sometimes it's, I, I find it a little bit odd when someone hears you speak for five minutes. And, and I think it's, okay, I take it as a compliment, but then very aggressively comes towards you with no context and just says, hey, I think you need to mentor me, right? And, and that um, has happened <laughs> Wait, to think, me many times. You need to mentor me? You need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to mentor me. Like I, I've experienced that, and and you know I take it as a compliment, but it does shock me still, right? Because it it comes across a little bit too harsh, I, I would say. And there are many different ways to do it. And and like you said, I think as we were discussing, right, mentoring is it's a two way relationship, and it has to be one that makes sense for both parties, right? And I think there's so many intangible elements to that, from chemistry, from where this whether this makes sense at, at this time in some person's life to be able to take this on. 
on because I take mentoring very, very seriously, right? And I've said no more than I have said yes, I will say, because I know that, again, my I take my word very seriously. And if I feel I know myself, I can't deliver, you know, I'm so, as you said, Jimmy, right? Time is... It's your biggest resource that whether you're Beyonce, Obama, whoever, you only have 24 hours in a day. And you need to choose not only uh, your time or you spend your time on, but what your energy on, right? So where intention goes, energy flows. And I, I do believe in that. And as much as I want to be as helpful to everybody I realized very early on and I, I still remind myself that, hey, you know, my biggest value, I always ask myself this question, what is the biggest value of my time? Like, what is the big thing I can be doing now that can actually create that big impact, right? And and that's why the billion dollar fund for women versus, you know, when we started, instead of, you know, starting our small fund, I don't know if it could be a 10 million fund or something like that, we decided let's work as a system and create that mark and from there build build upon it. And that was accidental because frankly, you know, with the billion dollar fund for women, I started because I was new in this country. I met, you know, my, my amazing co-founder and we hit it off but didn't expect it to unfold the way that it has done. But, you know, I, I think it's really being intentional about how can I truly, truly be helpful? And is it spending one hour mentoring one person or is it in creating a system that will address the issues that this person is facing? And I chose the latter, right? So a lot of women, a lot of young people actually come up to me. I, I would say my audience that I love and, and that have gravitated towards me are what I would call the young global leaders, right? And they are 20 five to 45 they're thinking they're serious people that are thinking about how do i progress how do i lead and live to lead forward and the questions that they ask are hard right it's you know things like you know i'm still the only one in my law firm and it's really hard to be heard and and to be recognized when everybody thinks the same way how do you shift the majority view you know i get asked questions like this right and and these are not one-time answers where I can mentor you and, and solve the issue. Of course, I can assist you one-to-one, -one, but I think it's a bigger shift of mindset. And I believe that that's what I want to do and the most that I can do. So we'll say some of the best practices, and this is a very long way to say, but the best practices are really do your research, right? To understand that it's two-way relationship and as much as you're coming to take, that you have something to offer as well, right? To make it exciting for both both parties to be in this relationship because I think you can do yeah maybe an hour what you know that's more like a consulting hour but if I'm taking someone on as a mentor it's a long-term relationship right I think about all my mentors that are in my life now I've known them for they've seen me grow from you know when I was in Malaysia to now and and know the evolution of where I'm heading and it's they're invested you know, they, they're invested, they want to know what's happening. And I have a duty to also, this is the second thing, to follow up, right? Yeah. One of my key principles is rise to the occasion. If someone gives you an opportunity, if someone gives you advice, of course, you don't have to, and this is important, you have to choose what's right for you because only you have the lens that you have in whatever you're facing in life, right? So no matter how well-intentioned or how experienced this person is, this person is still not you. So take that advice and, and implement it according to what you think is right and you deep down you know what's right it's it's so hard it's like i'm in a world where it's so so many unknowns so many variables right but i think deep down inside i know and what i'm meant to do and i i try and i move forward and i take this advice and i, I try to meld it all in but once i do i report back 
right? Because I take it seriously. And, and this is how a mentor feels good. I will say I've had people who bad practices reach out to me and I give my all and then I don't ever hear from them again. Yeah. Did they do it? Did, I, I want to know, you know, I spent this time with you. I'm invested. And so the next time this person comes around and this person only comes around when she or he needs something, how do you think I will feel? I'm no longer interested. This person is a yep. ticker, ticker, ticker. When we say give and take, it's not just like, it's not like, and I feel this way, right? I have so little to give someone who is, I don't know, in his 70s or 60s or her 60s and 70s because they have everything. But what they want is to know that they're still, I will say, imparting wisdom, that they're helping yes. you. So giving back is also giving feedback to your mentor and keeping that loop alive. So those are some starting points. I, I hope that was helpful. <laughs> oh yeah, that's amazing. And and for someone who is potentially older and a mentor, just hearing the energy, the vision, understanding like what could possibly be, like you're obviously seeing things that folks from earlier generations never saw or couldn't even envision. I do think though that the best way for somebody listening right now to potentially get on your calendar is to come up with a better term than audacious for you. Because I think you just went half <laughs> that for your goals. I'm, I'm now trying to workshop maybe like Bill Dagis, if we could combine oh, billion- Lord audacious and courageous, but that needs more work. A, a good marketing student should be able to come up with this. Who's ready to be a young global leader. You've now given Jimmy a weekend project. So that's awesome. He may, he may be following <laughs> up on Monday. I look forward to it. To tell, tell me and I'll, I'll trade market, right? <laughs> it has to have really a ring is. to it though. Uh, always, <laughs> always the first stop. But it, this got me so excited, um, Sarah, to talk more about your podcast, because as you said, there is, of course, one-on-one -on -one mentoring and these conversations, but then there's this broader opportunity to really uh, change the conversation to change people's minds through stories, through human stories. I love, love, love your podcast. I've done a big deep dive. I am very blessed. I had the opportunity to live in China for a, quite a bit of time. I got to travel in Malaysia and all over. So it's just been such a joy to get to listen to some of your, a lot of your founders and experiences of, of course, living in Asia and also um, living in the US, all the, the guests that you have on. But tell us a little bit more about the podcast, what people uh, can get excited about and what they can learn by listening. Yeah. So, you know, it, this is sort of full circle for me, right? Because what I was saying earlier was the birth of the podcast, what inspired it was really this, that I had amazing young global leaders that are shaping the future coming to me for all sorts of advice. And frankly, I still struggle with imposter syndrome. I know what I don't know, but I know some... It is highly likely that I know somebody who has the answers that you want. And this is why I actually have Billion Dollar Moves because I'm meeting uh, and, and I've been privileged to have these people as friends, as, as people I work with in my life that have sold their companies for close to a billion dollars that are, you know, building the next deep tech fund that is going to be, you know, fueling and, and funding some of the most amazing innovations we'll see in our lifetime. And still... Guess what? They're so human, right? You know, the guy that was you know, selling his company uh, for close to a billion dollars, you know, he said to me, one of the issues he struggled with was he couldn't scale himself. He was not <laughs> the leader that he needed to be. And so the company outgrew him, right? These are precious conversations that I was already having in my personal life that I thought, okay, how can we create most impact here? And this is where Billion Dollar Moves is because we want to reach, you know, hopefully HubSpot's listening, right? 250,000 listeners and beyond and, and get to the 20 million to 50 million downloads a year. But that's where you create impact, right? You create a piece of content. I, I believe, I strongly believe in, in the creator economy and and what it's set to do, right? I, I you know, I, I'm a millennial and I love my social media. I'm addicted, my husband says. 
And very early on, <laughs> on I would time, say years right. ago, years ago, I realized I was consuming things that were not necessarily great for me. And I decided when I looked at myself as well and the opportunity, the platform that I've built, I need to be more intentional in this, right? What's the use of me posting me on vacation? Like this is such an ego stroke. But what I can do is redirect that to knowledge, to things that are actually going to improve whoever's consuming it right so stuff that i want and that's where i think billion dollar moves have has come about so it's you know deconstructing the billion dollar moves of some of the movers and shakers in us and asia like i mentioned we have you know unicorn founders uh, unicorn backers and unicorns themselves go through the good bad and ugly and i think that's valuable because that's how we actually grow as much as we talk about you know markets and trends we talk about that too we talk about how do you actually build a multi-billion firm that last few generations, right? A multi-generational firm and important questions like that. And and I try to, you know, reflect those thoughts in, in everything that I do. Well, it the the next best thing to acquiring wisdom, instead of just making your own mistakes and failures, is taking 50% of the learnings by hearing somebody else and really emotionally getting into learning about their failures. So the billion dollar moves is uh, very important to short circuit those learnings. I'm curious though, has anybody started a pool yet for when you'll get to a billion total downloads? I'm guessing I'd probably do like <laughs> 2030. I'd set the over under. 2030? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you setting a goal for me? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jimmy, no, like, you, know, you know, I'm competitive. So yeah. putting this goal publicly is making me rise to the occasion. I, I don't know, man. I did not agree to this coming on here. <laughs> All right. How about this? 2032, you get two extra years, but that's also the end of the career for Michael Jordan's uh, jersey number. So it gives you a little more time <gasps> to become the GOAT. And this is across okay. total impressions, not just podcast downloads. So, okay. 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 You're giving me, me, me an out here. Okay. I, I accept. Okay. Challenge accepted. We will reconvene. 2032, I'll meet you at the ice cream parlor that you decide, right? And we'll discuss, okay? Great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I, back. I, I'm actually busy 2032 in January, but in February, I'm free. So we'll, we'll do it then. <laughs> All right. Sure. I actually Go think ahead. in between Sarah or somebody is going to come up with another platform. I think there'll be five more platforms between now and then. So we'll be laughing that we created podcasts and how funny and sweet and quaint that was because God only knows what we'll That's be doing true. by then. The augmented reality. That's true. Well, you know, I, I will say, you know, the different generations of technology is, is simply fascinating, but never underestimated, right? I think this is an important point. I had somebody on actually, you know, she has something like two, close to 2 million followers, and she built a marketplace that was really, really successful in Southeast Asia. And she started as a blogger. Do you remember blogs? Do we remember <laughs> blogs? My goodness. I actually had one when I lived in Shanghai and I found it recently. I will not tell you where it is, but I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who wanted to yeah. listen to this? Yeah. And exactly. it wasn't that long ago. So imagine, imagine where we'll be from here. That's incredible. Jimmy, do you have a last segment that you want to run Sarah through and we can wrap up? Of course. Yeah. My, your transition was excellent. Sarah, I'm curious, do you have a way, because you clearly are able to see so far into the future and much clearer than others, how do you think mentoring will be existing in 2050? Oh, this is a tough one. I mean, you know, I, I by no means have a crystal ball, but my hope on the future of relationships is just that we continue to figure out ways to add value to each other, right? And we don't even need to speak about it. I think, you know, even in everything that I do with, with gender equality, inclusion, and all that, my genuine hope is that I no longer 
have a job at the end of this. That the billion dollar fund for women doesn't need to exist anymore because guess what? 50% or more than that is already going to amazing innovators that exist anyway and that this becomes mainstreaming. So I think this concept of mentoring, it's, it's important to highlight it and that we're conscious about it these days because I think it's not yet at that point. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it becomes more organic and it's just the way that we treat each other, right? Because by and you know the level beyond mentoring is what i i strongly believe in which is sponsoring right which is the act of really not just giving advice but bringing this person up with you elevating this person and you can do this you can sponsor across organizations you know in, in many different forms mm-hmm. and uh, i've been lucky to experience that in some way without asking for it but just showing up for it Right. And, and again, as I said, rising to the occasion. And I think we would all be in a much better place if we all do that for each other. I love it. And you set me up with a phenomenal transition. So thank you. I have a very quick rapid fire word association here. It'll take just a moment. So when I say a word, I'm curious what pops in your head. We're just going to do a couple. Ooh, I love it. I love rapid fire. Let's go. <laughs> Third word. When you hear mentor, what do you say back? Power. Ooh. When you hear mentee. What comes to mind? Also power, actually. How about sponsor? Growth. And lastly, when I say coach, what do you think of? Fulfillment. Ooh, all right. Love that. Coach fulfillment. That's what's up. That's what's up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is so great. Sarah, we have loved this time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I would like to extend an offer, Sarah. I know many people have come to you for very bizarre mentoring kind of uh, questions. But if you see anything we're doing that's weird, send us a screenshot, make a big circle, and send it directly yeah. to Jimmy. I'll give you his number. I will do that. He will be the first Love person it. for you to cut, or you can come by and get ice cream and tell him what, what we're doing wrong. Um, and then he'll share that it with me. Right. But yeah, absolutely. We are, we are also humbly on this podcast journey of um, helping to create a rising tide for mentoring and support others on their journey. So we're really grateful to have a chance to have shared this time with you and um, are excited for your billion dollars, your billion downloads in uh, 32. Oh, Jimmy, Sarah, how cool is she? What a great interview. That's just cool. She makes me feel like I'm not doing much. Where's your billion dollar moves over there, Jimmy? Nowhere close. I'm not seeing, I don't have the vision. I don't have something that I'm trying to work towards. She has such clarity. I'm I'm jealous. And such attention grabbing yet serious and meaningful goal. I mean, not only is Sarah an example in vision, which I know we're going to deep dive on in our next episode, because I was so inspired by her vision. She's also a great brander. I mean, that's clear as day. She's got the marketing chops to match seeing the future. And that is a combination for efficacy. And she's getting it done. I wonder, Jimmy, if for our next episode, we're going to work on setting our vision a bit. I think think we should go back to the drawing board. If there's one thing that I took away from Sarah, it was that power is in where you want to concentrate your activity. And Sarah shows how she has made one simple mindset switch where she gave up some control, meaning she wasn't the one investing herself. Rather, she was influencing the investment of others. And she significantly, exponentially leveraged her ability to have power and force on our world. And I was also so impressed by her approach 
which was super humble and very looking to her past and looking to her future. And I just, I loved her tone. I loved her vision. And I'm so grateful we had the chance to chat with her. And I'm excited about our next episode, Deep Dive. I already have a lot of ideas. Fantastic. Something to me too is just the importance of close relationships and how they can really buoy you in tough times. And so showing that mentors can occur really in anybody in your life. You just need somebody to show up at the right time when you need them with no agenda. And that's what a mentor is for. And the takeaways in those moments can be profound and lasting. The words that echo in your head, as we have heard before. Yeah, I love that. I think Sarah's stories really lead us back to our vision for Augmenters, which is connecting more authentically with others, how authentically she connected with the mentors in her life, her family, the people who had come in her path. And clearly she is definitely growing to her potential. So I got a lot out of that interview and it was fun to hang out with another HubSpot Podcast Network sibling. Shout out HubSpot Podcast Network. I like the challenge to see who gets to a certain amount of downloads first. Sarah, go going for a billion by 2032 and us going for a million. And I'll take that challenge. I think both will be very impressive. (laughs) That's my small non-competitive side at the moment. This was great. This was great, Jimmy. I'm very excited to talk vision with you uh, next time. Okay. Grab your pint of ice cream and be ready to chat. Can't wait. See ya. We hope this episode was brief yet bright. And now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email. Hi at augmenters.us or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.